0: Welcome to the Living It Up podcast. Welcome to the Living It Up podcast, where we explore the changing landscape of competitive golf. In this episode, we will talk Scotty Scheffler winning at the greatest show on grass, while the Range Goats are getting ready to graze, and Tiger is back at a quote-unquote actual PGA Tour event at Riviera. This event is brought to you by our friends at Zero Restriction, the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. You know you need some gear to better manage the elements, so head to zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for a very generous 30% off your purchase. This is Brian. I'm joined by George and PGA TOUR veteran Billy Hurley III. Let's start with you, George. What do you make of this first uh, full-field designated event of the year? And Scotty Scheffler uh, reminding us how really, really good at golf he is.
1: Well, before we get started, we we talked about this uh, after a previous episode. And I'd like to be known as George Dowell the Fourth, um, since Billy gets his numbers, I'd like mine too. I will be making this change uh, right. immediately for all future episodes. Thank you for reminding me. Appreciate appreciate that very much. Um, so this is we we had actually joked about it that if Scotty Scheffler took over this tournament, it would kind of be a disaster for the PGA. Now, luckily, he had John Rom. Barking at his heels, Nick Taylor showed up to kind of crash the party as, as Mister Irrelevant, who wasn't supposed to be there, but everyone's kind of pulling for him against the big dogs. But man, like Scheffler is so good. I I was talking I I commented on Twitter. He's the Tim Duncan of PGA golf. Like he's so ridiculously good. It's it's not exciting to watch. It's not electric. He's not gonna you know give you the Jordan Spieth you know, Houdini out of a phone booth situation and the histrionics and sort of the charisma. But like the dude is good. I mean, the other, I also equated him to the boa constrictor that, you know, once he gets into that lead, he just locks on and you're not getting it done. I, he's So the, I think the tour got lucky that Nick Taylor showed up. John Rom answered the bell. He showed up. Um, I think JT made a charge at the end to kind of like get in the conversation. Um, you know, Rick Fowler showed up, he was back, which I think is honestly, the, the tour needs him. I I mean, he's not necessarily a thousand watt light bulb, but people do like him. You know, he's a good dude. So, and you also like, and here's the thing with as an elevated event or a designated event, I'm not sure that this really had any more sparkle or pizzazz with all the stars there than it would have had anyway with the Super Bowl in town. Like, I think the PGA did a great job picking this weekend to launch it with all the stars and that they could do their stars at Super Bowl things, Super Bowl stars at their things. And I don't think it was an accident that this was the one they chose to sort of launch these designated events. But, I mean, i tuned tune into this regardless if all the stars were there.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Nick Taylor, you know, he, he was kind of like the uh, the disruptor in what was a very star studded top 10. Uh, you mentioned a, a number of them, uh, you know, Ricky Fowler certainly is trying to crash that party and looks like he's kind of rounding back into form swings, looking a little bit more solid. He's playing with this like grip weighted putter that just, it doesn't look like the Ricky Fowler of, of old, but it sort of does look like the Ricky Fowler of old in terms of, you know, him, him, asserting himself on a leaderboard. Um, you know, one thing I, I thought about with with the designated event and with Scott Scheffler, and I'll go to you on this, Billy, a lot is made of his swing and, and mainly like the foot action of his swing. And it made me think like golf is such a technical sport, but he proves that like, it doesn't have to look pretty. He just has to like, just keep hitting solid golf shots. And, and I don't know, I have some takes on on this on this foot action that we see, but, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, like, you know, is he actually the new mold of player that, like, it is not just cookie cutter and swings his own swing and, and is proving, you know, how good he is?
2: Well, let's remember what is actually contacting the golf ball. It's not his right foot. You know, it is the golf club. And if you look at where the golf club goes, it's quite good and you look at the arc and the you know angles of the actual delivery of the golf club, it, I mean, that's really, really good. How that happens, like doesn't matter. Right. And, you know, I, I've, I've always been a big uh, proponent of like the golf ball tells you what you need to know, right. From, from, from a swing, you, you know, theory from, you know, you go kind of the, the dig it out of the dirt mindset or, or, or whatever. If you, if you watch where the golf ball goes, it tells you all the same things TrackMan tells you like you just have to kind of understand what they are i mean TrackMan tells you a couple more of them and whatever but like if you watch enough golf balls you can see one that's spinny and you can see one that's knuckling and flat you can see you know that the path was left of the face and you know the ball goes curving to the right like this is not like rocket science so i mean i i think that um what his right foot does is irrelevant. Where the golf ball goes is what matters. And however he makes the golf ball go, the way that he's making the golf ball go, I would suggest he keeps doing that.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because I I feel like I grew up on you know beautiful golf swings a la Tiger Woods, Adam Scott, and everybody was was worried about like almost beautiful lines. It was like golf instruction in the '90s and the 2000s were all like get the club in this position at takeaway and at three quarters and these sorts of things. Whereas to your point, Billy, like the only thing that matters a la you know, Jim Furyk is like, does he deliver the, the golf club in the right, you know, place at the right time with the right speed to do what he wants it to do? And and I, I've sort of reconciled that I'll never be comfortable watching Scotty Scheffler in that mold of like beautiful golf swings. Like it's not beautiful. It's not like aesthetically pleasing, but I equate it to like pitchers and like never once do we like watch a pitcher playing baseball and like critique everything about their delivery and like how they finish in perfect balance or not. And I know they're much different sports, but it's a funny thing to think a about. Kid,
1: you've never had a kid who's trying to be a pitcher and then like <laughs> watching baseball to be like, no, no, no you got to watch this.
0: But it's funny because you'll watch the all-star game and pitchers, you know, throw at Wally different arm angles, but like fundamentally they're delivering the ball really, really well, you know, at the moment that they release it. And I feel like I've kind of gotten to the same place of, of, you know, there's a lot of swings now and there's a lot of, speed in the game. And that speed is generated, not with like beautiful lines that take away. It's how do I use the ground really, really well. And how do I generate that speed with my, with my hips and my shoulders and all that stuff, timing it up correctly. So I kind of think like, I I love seeing swings like Scotty's. I actually love seeing swings like Bryson and Padra Carrington, how they kind of spin out, you know, after they, after they hit the golf ball, I, I hope it means we can get away from cookie cutter swings and start to just see people kind of swing the right swing for their body and and how they want to generate speed.
1: I mean, the, the one thing that I think of though is longevity. And so when you've got a lot of moving parts, when you're on and the timing's all there and you're synced up, it's great. You know, Sergio was a a guy like would always flip his wrist over and you, when it was on, it was great. But if that timing gets off just a little bit, it's off. And so, you know, what, what Scheffler's doing and what he's done over the last, I think, 53 events is, you know, fantastic. And he has proven himself to be an absolute horse and a stud, you know, in the Ryder Cup, just taking Rom down. There, there's no question at the moment he's got it. As he gets older and, you know, wear and tear shows up just from doing it a million times, is is it going to be sustainable? And is he going to have to make a change? Um, obviously right now, like I would tell any kid on the planet, like just do what he's doing. Cause it it's, it's working.
2: Yeah. So that's exactly where this goes, right? Is Scotty goes and misses three cuts in a row. And then everybody's going to be all over, you know, how you can't do this with your right foot. Like, that's just where this, that's just how this plays out in the real world. You know, so long as you're number one in the world, I guess now you teach every kid to slide their right foot and kind of, you know um, get, get so far on their left side that they don't have any weight on their right foot and it can kind of dance around. I mean, I guess that's, and, and, and golf instruction goes back and forth in this and, and, and George, you're right. Like, what does that mean for longevity? I don't know the answer to that, but here's what I do know. You no longer need longevity in golf. Okay. He just won $3.6 million. Okay. And that's, that's and he won like 12 million last year. And that doesn't include the FedEx Cup, and that doesn't include his Nike, and that doesn't include his TaylorMade or whoever's clubs he plays, or Titleist, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, golf careers are going to be shorter. I think that's one of the things that we have to accept with the speed that is that has been generated and injected into the game is that that our bodies weren't really designed to do this. Like we're, we're and and then they were not designed to do any professional sport we we push them and take them to the max and 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 you know get them super efficient for this period of time and 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 then they break down and 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 then they don't do that anymore and golf used to be one of these where you you know you played for a long time and that's kind of how you made your money but that's not the case anymore and and certainly with designated events going forward it's going to be even less of the case because you just need Call it five good years on the PGA tour to be totally set.
1: I, I know we're not allowed to, to mention him anymore, but um, honestly, I think maybe one of the best swings that's just held up for now 15 plus years is DJ. I mean, he's just a long kind of, I won't say lanky, but he's not, he never chased speed. He never bulked up and he's just always had natural speed and power. And I think those are the players that will come along that are, in fact, the the ones you'd point to to be like, yeah, man, like if you have it naturally, you're just going to keep having it. And, And he's probably the most natural athlete I've watched play in the last 10 years.
2: Yeah, for sure. DJ is. I mean, he's 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 I say this all the time, but he's he's a freak. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just a, a freak of an athlete. Like he, he should be playing in the NBA, but he chose golf. Right. And that's kind of, um, he's just, a, a his, his body's kind of Gumby with incredible speed and it's, and it's, it's impressive. There's no, no question about that.
0: So in some ways, the Sunday finish, uh, turned out to be a bit of a ROM versus Scotty showdown. Nick Taylor, as we mentioned, sort of asserted himself into that, into that discussion there. But but it made me think, you know, and 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 I mentioned the '90s and the 2000s. It seems like we were always talking about a, a big three or a big two or a big four. I, I wonder if, you know, there was a lot of discussion earlier in the year. Who's the best player? Is, is it Rom or is it Rory? You know, Scotty Scotty may have you know put himself back in that discussion. Do we now have a, a big three amongst golf? Uh, and there, I would ask like, who's a close fourth or is there a close fourth? I'd maybe put Justin Thomas in that in that discussion and, and you'd have to argue maybe where does cam smith uh, fit in there we obviously haven't seen him play much golf of late but uh you know do we have a big four or a big five uh, i'd be curious george to get your thoughts on that
1: i mean we definitely have i guess and you're right like the majors are going to tell us what we have um on the pga tour at the moment i think we very clearly have a big three and you know scotty is there rom is there And Rory is there. Is there, I I think if you're talking, who's the fourth, you just have like a jumble of players who are going to perk up to, to be there for a hot minute. JT, when he gets a hot can go as low as anybody on the planet. I mean, and in some ways I feel like he and Rory are kind of interchangeable a little bit. Like they're smaller dudes who just pound it. I, I've come around on JT a lot, and I actually, for the sake of the tour, you know, early on he kind of had this petulant—might not be the right word, but maybe bratty—and he was a little bit of like a quasi-villain. And you know, Liv took all the villains, where love them or hate them, they made you feel something. You know, the the knock on Scotty is doesn't really make you feel anything Like he's super impressive but he doesn't really make emotions happen when you watch him play and you know they had jt mic'd up and and he kind of got on a hot mic uh as a ball rolled off the green um on a really not a bad shot but it was just super firm downwind and i just couldn't hold it and i i kind of want him to lean into for lack of a, i mean He's got some red ass in him and that's not a bad thing. And I think like there's some charisma in there that we need to see more of out of him. I know he had some other hot mic situations that clipped his wings a little bit, um, but I'd, I'd like to see him kind of lean back into that because it's good. Uh, Spieth is probably, I mean, when, when he's doing speed things like, man, he's exciting. Like I he just, you watch it and, it's a roller coaster and you're holding on. Um, and I mean, Xander could easily be there when he's, he's playing well. Um, and, you know, when he can just, when he has ball in hand, and can put it wherever he wants. That helps too. Um, and you, you keep going down the line, you know, Cantley could be that guy when he's on, but he's kind of mercurial where it seems like when he's on, he's on. And then he just almost seems just disinterested.
0: Which yeah, sure we talked isn't. we I was going to say we talked about this, you know, with with live many have said like took all the villains is maybe one thing that you're pointing at George is that we may have these, you know, designated events this year and they provide star studded leaderboards but you're 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 perhaps running the risk of swapping out one, you know, very classy guy that's pretty nondescript for another really classy player that's a little bit nondescript.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the risks that that they're kind of going to run here on the tour with, you know, going forward and how they structure these events. You know, we we I, I don't well, I'll back up like we talk about this all the time. I don't watch very much golf, um, but I happened to flip it on at the very end of Saturday's round and Jim Nance was, you know, given this, you know, Scotty Scheffler's trying to make a birdie roms trying to make a par to stay in the final group and and it it reminded me of what we joked about early on with live like the okay we get it's really exciting guys stop telling us it's exciting like you like you're taking away from it by saying like oh it's just so electric here you know and blah blah blah. and they and they did that very much in the first couple of events and they still did it in the latter half of the first season but, but died it down a little bit and and I had Jim Nance just telling me, where else in the world can you get this? This is unbelievable. The the drama of Saturday to get to the final day and nowhere else on earth is this available to you know, it was kind of like like don't tell me how great it is. Like let it be great or or whatever. But it had this like almost like this like you you've just never heard these lines before, and they're totally produced up in some production meeting, and it just drives me crazy. To 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 listen to them like you know, inject these little lines that are just fueling the feud that we're trying to get over and get on with golf.
1: Yeah, and candidly, like Nick Taylor is the guy who really made it all compelling, right? Because he's he's not supposed to be there. If if we go by the OWGR and these are the elevated events, and we're gonna get all the the superstars battling it out, blah, blah, blah. Like everyone should be rooting for David in that situation. And like that's who I was rooting for and you know he he had an untimely bogey on 16. He literally went 360 lipped out on 17, but by that point it was pretty much decided. But like in I think in these elevated events and I don't think it's a bad thing for the tour, but it's it's a maybe an unintended consequence which I think golf is running into quite a bit on a lot of different ways now is people if if the nick taylors of the tour keep popping up in the leaderboard and making a run at it the fans are going to be or should be gravitating to that story rather than you know the same seven guys taking their turn holding a trophy
2: this episode is brought to you by our friends at zero restriction for more than 30 years zero restriction has been the leader in outdoor technical golf apparel. Check them out at zerorestriction.com and use code LIVINGITUP30 for 30% off your purchase. Thanks to our friends at zerorestriction.com for their support of the Living It Up podcast. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that the tour has to figure out is how to make these designated events, how to make them have some... Um in and out of the, of the players in the last, you know, 20 in the field, not just have it literally be the same 70 guys show up. I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like it's going towards. That's kind of the rumors. That's kind of the the things is that the, they, they want to make them 70 man events, no cut. Um, you know, some other people reporting on this, some, you know, whatever, but I don't know if that's where it's going to end up. I, I mean, obviously the, it, it wasn't very well accepted at the, at, by the pack and there was no consensus drawn on that issue but that seems to nonetheless be where it's headed if if you don't have some movement in the fields and who's in and how people maybe get in and how somebody could get on a heater and then get in one of these and to your point george b david trying to slay goliath and and have some compelling thing uh it's i i think you're gonna lose everybody right i mean i think that and that's what that's what we've said here is like they've got to that's what i've said anyway and is is they've got to embrace this two-tiered system go with it call it what it is market it for what it is and then figure out how there's some flow and some movement inside of it so that people can play their way in and people drop off and there's you know maybe a a, a top 3 category and maybe there's a one spot monday qualifier or maybe the, you know i don't know but there's there's just they've got to do They've got to do something so that this the 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 storyline of Nick Taylor being two hundred thirtieth in the world can can still have a chance at winning one of these.
1: No, and I I I don't understand. We we just saw the first one go off. It had a hundred and twenty man field, I think, or you know, a deep
2: field. One thirty two, one thirty six, something like that. Yeah, and I don't know why they
1: need to go to seventy unless it literally is the the top of the tour right now being like hey man i can go get guaranteed money i want you to guarantee me some money
2: because yeah it's the... the no-cut thing right it, that that's 100 percent what it is from the top you know this yeah. is those guys saying you know i mean like I, I i mean candidly what i heard is the you know the 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 all 22 infamous you know wilmington delaware meeting that was um they they came out of that meeting and wanting to do fifty man fields, and they're gonna you know call it a concession to go to seventy man fields, is it, it, is kind of the way I heard it was framed. I don't know where it's going to end up because I think they're having a lot of backlash on, you know, not having the you know one hundred man field or one hundred and twenty man field or or, or something. I, I it'll be it'll be really interesting. I think the. I think the board meeting is February 28th or something like that, where this would be.
0: I mean, decided. for obvious for obvious reasons, you can't have a 50 man field because because 48's a joke. So you can't just add two and it's you know not a joke.
2: Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, maybe well, maybe be 54 man field, then that'd be good. Like the sponsors
1: and the TV partners have to look at this and be like, the story we can like Nick Taylor is the story you sell to get people to watch. Right? It's it's Hickory High going to win the state championship. And that's what everyone who's been bagging on live for the last 12 months has been basically saying like, well, what you, you, you got to beat 150 guys or whatever it's going to be. And to then just throw that away, which has always been sort of the compelling meritocracy of the tour, it, it seems completely like anathema to what we've been told makes the tour special. I, it, it's, it makes zero sense from what we've been told for the last 12 months
2: yeah there's no question about that george i mean that the the hypocrisy all over this whole thing for the last you know call it 10 months is, is on from 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 everyone and anything and all over the place right we and we've covered that ad nauseum um here on the pod but the ultimate thing is like i think you're wrong george about like people tune in to watch nick taylor because if they did then television would have been telling those stories for the last 10 years. But television doesn't tell those stories because you have to remember why these things are on TV. They're on TV for one reason, one reason only, and that's to sell ads. And it's to make money. And if they could make more money doing it some way else, then wouldn't they do it that way? That's just kind of been my, you know, high horse or, or soapbox, we'll call it. Uh, it's just, you know, it, it must be that the average fan and, and, and you guys aren't average fans, you're, you're, you're deep dive fans who, who like the, you know, who who like the under, you know, the second thir- and third layer of the tournament that you're watching. But I just think the average fan, the average eyeball doesn't care. And so they're not telling those stories. If, if, if they could sell more ads telling those stories, I think they would.
1: Yeah. And I, I I'm not going to say people are tuning in to see Nick Taylor, Nick Taylor is, oh, he's an interchangeable person. But the fact of you're going to tune in to watch Rory, John, Scotty. But then when this, I don't want to say nobody, he's got two or wins. So he's, he's obviously extraordinarily good. But like when, when someone who's not supposed to be there shows up, that's what I'm the, and that, that's where they should be telling the story. And that's a huge whiff by, the TV production and the tour to not and and I don't get me wrong, it's got to be insanely hard to have a hundred and twenty sort of backstories ready to start rolling out. If someone perks up the leaderboard and all of a sudden is is sitting there, you know, one off the lead on sixteen, ready to go and be like, "Well, this could be really compelling down the stretch," and, and I just think that that's a, a huge missed opportunity to if 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 we're getting to a point here very quickly where it's going to be product versus product the tour can definitely put together a much better story when these guys perk up the leaderboard with the david versus goliath thing than just you know millionaires winning more millions
0: so i'll i'll talk about one thing that you could think of as product versus product or maybe it's just player versus player and there was a there was a rules situation I'll call it with Sanders Shoffley on on Saturday. Uh his poll is in the, the desert area, which you know, Billy, you've played in this event. It, it it looks to me like it's a a roll of the dice, right? And maybe like it's a six-sided die. And one out of every six you're going to be behind a, a cactus or some sort of bush. And his his in fact was, you know, basically unplayable, right? It is behind one of these trees or bushes in the desert area but he finds a burrowing animal hole that basically is like nearby and uses that and actually does not get the, the relief granted by the first rules official on scene, but asks for a second opinion and gets a, a very favorable favorable drop. And so like, Billy, we've talked about this in the past, like rules, rules are there to, to be used. And, and in some ways you could argue like exploited for all their worth. But this one to me just felt like, you know, again, going back to like player versus player, if this had been someone like a Patrick Reed, like the world would have been going bananas that he was granted relief from something like this. But because it's a, a guy that everyone sort of likes or, or you know, thinks is a good guy, we're able to gloss over this one.
2: Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, you know, pe- people have reputations for a reason and people get the benefit of the doubt based on those reputations and whatever. I mean, now. um, you know, this is not exactly analogous to. Any, I mean, I guess it is analogous to to the ball in the tree. I mean, there was an official there who said, "Okay, that's your ball." You know, in in Dubai for for Patrick and and was and play on right. So we didn't we didn't you know. Was subsequently, going back and looking at slow mo, that was like, well, it wasn't actually in that tree and 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 whatever. But everything in the moment, including the rules official, said, "Yeah, that's good, play on." So. You know, and that's exactly what happens here. I mean, as as far as second opinions go, you know, you, you're always entitled to a second opinion, in, in which case the first rules official leaves, they bring in a second rules official who has no knowledge of what's going on, other than obviously that you asked for a second opinion. So you didn't get what you liked. You, you didn't get what you were looking for the first time. But 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 so the second guy rolls in and and his opinion is then deemed final. So, so there's not a third opinion. You, you we can't keep doing this, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's basically, you can get a second and, and when you do the, the, the second guy is final. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, the way that works. And I mean, I, I think from, from my perspective is good on him for finding a burrowing animal hole, you know I mean? Like now, now did he have to take a weird stance to, you know, stand on that? Did he have to like, say he's going to do something that he really wasn't going to do? These are all the things that we can only, um, you know, surmise about we, we we don't
0: know. Yeah, and what caught me off guard, and there was a moment I believe this was the British Open. It could have been the Scottish, but I but I do recall it was was a kind of an overseas event on on uh, you know firm grass, and and the idea in this particular oca- occasion was a guy wanted relief from a TV tower, but he was clearly in an unplayable eye situation, and the rules official was like, "Look, I I get it, but like you can't physically hit this ball," and so to me it made me think about like sort of the intent behind some of these rules. And I would say like burrowing animal hole to me, the intent behind that is like, essentially like you could make this shot work. If not for the burrowing animal hole that is in your way versus like, this is an unplayable lie and you're searching for a a way around. If that makes sense.
1: Well, for me, like I get the burrowing animal, I think. And and desert golf is weird because you see it on courses where it's a place where your ball could reasonably be like you're in the grassy area. And I, I kind of feel like with desert golf, if you're in the desert, some things definitely didn't go right. Right. Like, and and it's, I think from what I can see on TV, this course doesn't look particularly tight out there. Um, there's a few tee shots that definitely require, like you got to put it in the right spot or kick it down into the pond. I think it's like 12 or 13, um one of those holes that you watch a lot of guys if they tugged it just a little bit left and it caught the rock right part of the fairway yeah it that's just, 11 it just, it just jumps into the to the pond and you just there's nothing you can do there um but you I, hit I mean, it further I, I mean, right well that's what i'm saying like you you see guys playing way out to the right what's going on and you're like oh well if he lands you know on the left half of the fairway he's toast um but i feel like if you get to the desert part of the course then like hey man you put your ball there like you got to fix it. Like, and, and so I don't like this for when you're in the desert part.
2: Yeah, I can see, I can see that. And, and, and you're right, George, I mean, you have not hit a good golf shot when you're in the desert. Like that's a true, you know, piece of the puzzle, but um, I mean, George, you're the lawyer. I mean, what does intent have to do with it? The, the, you know, the, the rules are written and, and it says what they say. So the intent of the rule is, is, is irrelevant. No, it is, and but going
1: back to Brian's point of like, hey, if this has been a Patrick Reed, here's what would have also happened had it been a Patrick Reed. Someone would have gone to that spot and taken pictures all around there be like, there's no hole anywhere. And because it's Xander, like, no, it's all good, move on. And I mean, I don't think they put, gave much airtime to it. Like it kind of got aired out on Twitter more than ever on TV. And it's like, that's where... I mean, look, you have rules officials there for a reason. If they come and they, they inspect it and they're like, Oh yeah, I see that. There you go. Then, all right, then that's what we have. Like you, you do have a nonpartisan person who made that call, but at the same time, you know, we've seen it multiple times. with like intense. I mean, like, I mean, Patrick Reed got Zapruder film treatment on the tree. And as I understood in the moment, All the fans who were there were like, no, it went in the first tree. Like all the fans who were there, which I think all is a big word. It might've been like eight or 10 fans, but like they pointed to the wrong tree. So the rules official went to the wrong tree. Patrick Reed said, Hey, my ball has a, a, it's a title with a black line or whatever. And he's like, Oh, I I got one up there. And he's like, that's probably mine. And could you say that with hundred percent certainty from 30 feet down? No one can, but Again, if the point is, hey, they said that this is the tree it went into. I couldn't see it from the tee. You didn't see which tree it is. I'm playing a titles of the Black Line, and you spotted a Titleist of the Black Line. Like, you know, we're 90% of the way to identifying that ball. And, you know, then we get the Zapruder film and everybody going ape on it. Whereas here, no, it's good. Play on. and I just – it just seems – there's a double standard on certain things, but to your point, certain people get treated certain ways because of a lot of history of what they've very clearly done, which was highly questionable.
0: So this is probably a, a good segue because this has to do with the kind of the rules and how to how to thoughtfully use the rules. I, I want to do our great golf debate on TIO relief, temporary immovable obstruction relief. This came up on the 16th hole. In the final round, uh, Scotty Scheffler pulls one to the left pin position on 16, you know, cannot make a backswing. Um, he's able to to get relief and ultimately, and, and there's kind of two parts to this that we could dig into, but uh, he's able to take a drop and drops it ever so artfully where he's now going to get to place it. So that's, that's one part. But I want to start with TIO relief in general. It, it seems like one of those things that comes up every now and again, particularly around you know, par fives where there's a grandstand that you can sort of, you know, lean on, whether that's away from water or away from trouble, and you can kind of hit into the grandstand and and get relief. That's generally pretty generous. Um, so I wanted to talk about like, how can we manage TIO relief in a way that I don't want to say the punishment fits the crime, but like, you clearly haven't hit a good golf shot if you're over in the grandstands, theoretically how should we deal with, with these things? I'll, I'll go to you first, Billy, as someone that uh, probably has grandstanded a bunch in his day.
2: I mean, again, you, the way you deal with it is you hit a better golf shot, right? If you hit a better golf shot, you, you know, if, you, if generally if you hit it in the fairway and hit it on the green, you don't need the rules of golf, right? Like it's it kind of just, but I mean, so, so TIO relief, like it's not a real thing. Okay. Like it's not in the rules of golf, right? It isn't addendum. It's like a local rule. It's on the hard card for the PGA tour, because like the rules of golf is not played with grandstands. It's not played with ropes up. It's not played with all these things, right. That, that, that we play with at the highest level to have a, have a spectator crowd available, you know, for a place to sit and and have a beer and watch and, and, and enjoy, you know, the competition. So I, I don't have a good answer for how we do this better other than move these grandstands further away from the playing field. Um, and then that kind of, again, takes away from the fan experience, which takes away from revenue, which takes away from the whole thing. So the, the, the USGA and the RNA do it slightly differently. They, they have a different rule. They have designated drop circles. Like if you hit it in this TIO, you go over here in this drop circle and you drop it there. And most of the time, those aren't good. Like most of the time you just would have rather not hit it next to the TIO, Whereas on tour, there there's there's definitely times when, you know, using the grandstand is 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 a part of the strategy or at least a part of the miss, right? It might not ever be like your exact intent, but it is like, well, if I miss it right, it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna be, you know, under there and whatever.
0: Is this something that ever came up during uh, you know, player advisory council meetings? I know there was like a, a big kerfuffle. We had talked before we hit record on backstopping and how to how to sort of think about that. It seems like anytime there is a grandstand that folks use, and this often happens on like the 18th hole, you know, the the bailout area is just to like, send it, send it into the grandstands. Does this, does this sort of stuff ever come up as, you know, how do we mitigate this? Is this a problem that we need to mitigate?
2: Not in any meeting I've ever been in. Have we really talked about that many, you know, rules of golf things, You, you know, there, there was a little bit in the. 17, 18 timeframe when the rules of golf were being kind of, you know, entirely rewritten and entirely reworked. There was some, you know, updates and inputs, uh, input periods for, for, for that kind of thing. We talked about a couple of them, but uh, as, as far as TIO stuff goes, as, as far as, um, you know, really any of that stuff I guess if, if somebody really wanted to change it, then we could have a conversation with the rules staff and we could, you know, come up with a way to do it, but no, nothing, nothing's ever come up in that way. I mean, I think that, you know, as much as you have the the greatest athletes for the sport of golf competing on the PGA tour, I mean, you have the greatest referees too. I mean, these guys are, you know, been, been doing this for, for their entire careers and, and that's, that's kind of what they think about and, you know, kind of, Eat, sleep, and breathe.
0: And the second part to this is, I, I had talked about this when we we got started. It just never looks quite right when guys do the very artful. I'm going to drop this in exactly the right spot where it's going to bounce, you know, outside of a club length, or it's going to go closer to the hole, or whatever, so that they can place it. it. It never seems to sit right with me, and and I always wonder, like, should a rules official in that case, like, be almost like, nope, don't you, you can't, no, I don't want you to drop it there because that's like you're you're setting yourself up for certain failure. And and so why not just either let them place it or drop it in a, I don't know, more more like standard spot or way to say like, hey, you have to intend to drop it and have the ball rest in play.
1: I, I like the idea of like the USGA and RNA does. Like, yeah, all right, fine. Like we have these grandstands. <clears throat> you don't want to move the fans further away. So if you do hit it into this spot, you just put it over here. And it could be, a, you know, you could go from being eight yards off the green, but you, you know, sent it into the the grandstand or your swing's impeded because you hit it in the grandstand and it bounced off of it. But I don't care. You're going to pick up your ball. You're going 25 yards, you know, away. And I don't care how that sets up to the pin. Like, that's where you're going to drop it. And you're going to play from this drop zone. So that basically there there's no gray areas to it. It's you're you're just doing this because, you know, I mean, we have seen guys take drops and drops and drops. And sometimes the place where you're supposed to drop it is it's almost impossible to keep the ball where it's supposed to be. I Ricky Fowler had a really, I think it was might've been like the travelers or something where
0: it was actually waste management a few years ago when he won, where the ball rolled back in the, in the hazard.
1: Yeah. Where like he dropped it and they, then he placed it. And then once you place it, it's in play. And as he was standing over the shot, it started rolling and it rolled into the hazard and another penalty stroke, which I think was kind of wild. And I didn't really understand the rule at the time, but like, no, man, Hey, that's, that's tough. It's just
2: the way it is. That rule has been changed actually just, just by way of happened to Charlie Hoffman at waste management last year. He went berserk was total silly on social media, the the way he kind of dealt with that one, but um, they we've, the rules have been updated to to alleviate that to where it is no longer a penalty in that um, situation, just public service announcement.
0: So I, I thought we'd also, and it's funny, we talk about sometimes a week in golf seems like a month. Uh, so this one actually felt like a month ago, although it was within the last week. Uh, I know everybody knows about the aces, but of course, now everybody knows about the range goats. Uh, there were a few changes to the live team names, namely, uh, punch gc became ripper and i think it was the niblex who who knows who could say have have become the range goats that is captained by one uh, bubba watson uh it is apparently time to graze and he's got some sort of you know call that he does which which maybe will be part of his pre-shot routine we we will see exactly how he uh tries to make us all range goats the logo is actually kind of awesome and i kind of want a range goats hat but it's almost like so bad. It's good. Uh, what, what do you make of this, Billy? Are you, are you moving from being an, an aces fan to a, to a, a range goats fan?
2: No, I think the names are absolutely awful. I thought they were going to do a better job with, you know, kind of coming up with some names. I mean, I'm on board with the Rippers because it has some Australian connotation of which I'm not familiar, but, but that's what I understand it to be. So, okay. Got it. That's the Australian team. You can't change the four aces because, you know they they won and i guess it's the three aces plus one i don't know who the one is though at this point going going in is it still uline maybe was that trade finalized or who, who could say right we'll see but um i will say i saw a graphic of all 12 logos and i thought the logos were pretty well done so they they definitely upped that um you know piece of the puzzle while the names still stink the logos were were Pretty, we're pretty good looking.
0: Yeah, they did not make an upgrade to the logos. It looked like who, whatever junior designer they had, just like take clip art off of you know Microsoft Word for the first few. They actually maybe got an, a designer to, to craft some logos this time around.
1: Yeah, and here's the, I mean, the range goats and the goats are all caps, so it stands for something. And I was like, oh yeah, range greatest of all time. Like, you know, we all see dudes on the range, just stripe it, they get on the course and they can't break 90. But I, it turns out that goat, doesn't stand for the traditional goat greatest of all time. It stands. And this is apparently Bubba for golfers on a team. So now I'm out on the range goats because that's horrible. Like yeah, it, no shit. You're on a team. Your whole thing is a team golf thing. Now we, we figured that part out. I, I was, but if you Bubba have to needs- tell me
2: the team thing is a thing, you're probably not doing it right.
1: Yeah, and like Bubba and Bryson need to go sit in PR timeout for a little while. Like you guys can't talk anymore until you know you, you figure it out.
2: The range golfers on a team. Or is it on a T? I thought it might. Was it on a T or on a team? Um, either way, it, it I understand. You know, but I mean, it's like you throw rain. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah.
0: So, but Billy, your earlier point is well taken. You know, we we have now gotten confirmation on the CW. We've now gotten confirmation on the the fourteen event schedule. Uh, we now know these updated team names. That I would say the biggest piece of the puzzle is who who is on these teams. We now know the captains, and in the case of the Majestics, it looks like. A number of co-captains uh it's not sure not, not, not quite sure from the video who is the actual captain of that team but yeah there have been a, a bunch of rumors flying around about some new players uh you know namely Sebastian Munoz is is probably the the one that seems the warmest of the rumors out there uh but yeah it, it remains to be seen who is the final roster of 48 uh, it remains to be seen there were talk of reserve players that may get called up from time to time so th- there's a lot of open-ended questions and here we are. You know, eleven days uh, prior to uh, pegging it in the ground at at Mayakoba. So we will have, I think, a proper, you know, sort of preview pod here in, in the coming days. Uh, but still, a lot of uh, open questions there for for the Live Golf League. And so that leads us into what's next. We've got the Genesis out at Riviera, but the big news, not just that it's the next designated event at, it's at Riviera. It's an actual
2: PGA Tour event. That's an the big news. It's an PGA actual tour PGA Tour event. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we should change the name from designated to it's actual. It's no longer events. designated.
2: They're actual events.
0: And and that is because Tiger Woods uh, officially has won the the 2023 PIP by tweeting out that he will be playing at 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 Riviera. Um, you know, that combined with uh in a few days we're actually going to have this Netflix full swing documentary. Uh so there's going to be a lot of golf, uh, a lot of media, a lot of hype. Uh what do you guys make uh I'll start with you George. What do you make of uh Tiger and and him you know, deciding to play an actual an actual event here.
1: um I mean, we we talked about it. It, it makes sense. He hosts the event, so you know he he probably is already there. He, he play it. um I don't really have any high expectations. Riv has kind of always been a. I won't. It's hard to say he had Kryptonite, but he never ever really played well there. I think it's. I'll just go ahead and say it's the only course on tour he never won at. Um, probably because he didn't play a couple other events.
2: It's the only, it's the only course he played more than three times that he never won out. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's never
1: played it well. So, you know, obviously we're as fans, we're more watching to see how does he look, how does it swing, does he hold up? Can he make the cut? I don't, I don't know. Um and and it kind of the the other thing that it sort of got in my head was with these, I guess, actual events now or whatever they're gonna be called, is all right. So you have the waste management, which leads off with, you know, they've got the Super Bowl in town. That's a, a thousand megawatt event, regardless, just because they've made it into such a, a raucous thing. Now you've got Riv, which always shows out on TV. It is one of the tournaments I will always watch. I love that course. Um, it there's cool holes, there's cool shots good players tend to rise to the top to win it. Um, but the, I'm beginning to wonder with these events, you know, where all the stars have to show up, you know, I think the real test for these things is going to be Harbortown and Wells Fargo. Are, are people tuning into those Harbortown is going to be the week after the masters. There's always a little bit of a major hangover and these guys are just going up the road to play Harbortown it's a short course. It'll be interesting to see, like the a lot of guys, you know, a lot of Nick Taylors can show up and compete at Harbortown. Um, and so is that going to be another one where we have some relative Davids rise up the board, and are they going to tell the stories? And then you know, Wells Fargo is usually a, a big event. They get a handful. Of, traditionally, they probably got uh, I'll say ten to fifteen of the top thirty to show up for that. Um, Quail Hollow is you know a big boy course what are we going to see there and are we going to care it is so i'm there they can't roll out a new gimmick for each one of these um you know famously Jadon blake isn't walking through that door at quail hollow so you know tiger's already used his kind of like gold card to pop make riv pop a little bit more even though he probably never didn't have to uh so I, I'm I'm more curious looking long-term what this all means for these events because they're running out of you know showstoppers.
0: Yeah, we, we've said we'll see a lot about Live. And I think on the designated event uh, sort of scorecard, I think we are going to have to do a check-in. I think you're right, George, sort of in the late April timeframe to say, are these working? And a lot of that will be perhaps TV ratings, but it'll just be also like a gut feeling, an eye test about like, it, are these really... That much different than you know did did waste management feel that much different than last year's waste management did this year's Harbor Town feel that much different than last year's Harbor Town? so there's a lot of we'll see I'll, I'll get you guys out of here on uh we, we should make a prediction i'm sure there will be many tiger prognostications does he make the cut and if he doesn't is it close
1: i'm gonna say miss the cut and I, I won't say close or not i mean listen he's the single most talented golfer of all time. You know, his, even if he has a D minus game, he's probably going to be two, three over. I think the cut last year was two over. So like he's going to grind. He's extraordinarily prideful. Obviously his best golf is the best golf anyone's ever watched. So I think he misses the cut. I'm more interested to just see how he moves. And, you know, that's not the easiest course to walk. So let's let's see how he moves, because that's a better indicator of what's going to happen when, you know, we roll around to Augusta.
2: Ooh, do I know how he hits the driver? Can I get any of that information before before making this prediction? Because, I mean, that's what it's going to come down to, right? You have to drive it pretty well at, at Riviera. There's a number of holes, especially on the back nine, that, that, that demand a really nice tee shot and and so you know if he if he if he drives it you know average to above average for you know for him um then then, then i think he'll make the cut if he, if he doesn't then, then he won't so i get i gotta pick one of those i i think it's going to be incredibly hard for him to make the cut he's the host he's got a whole bunch of other things going on i mean obviously they're gonna you know not lean on him for as many of those things since he's gonna play and 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 whatever but Um, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't played since the PGA, I guess, or the, or the, or the open, the, the, since since
0: the match, but yeah, since an actual, in
2: an actual event, um, yeah, since, since, since the open. Right. So, um, that's just, I mean, you know, it's, it's still a different thing. There's a reason that even Tiger Woods talks about wanting to play before the majors, Right, it's not something that you can just walk back into, you know, cold and 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 be be sharp and and, and on top of it all. So, um, I'm going to say he misses the cut.
0: Yeah, if Patrick Mahomes did not come back and play a stellar second half after seemingly, you know, reaggravating a uh, a very high ankle sprain, I was I was leaning toward he's going to miss the cut. But now I just think he's going to make it on the number. It's going to be appointment viewing down the stretch, the back nine. They're going to be talking about that cut line on every swing, and he's just going to grind out like a one or two under par on the back nine to make it on the number. And Patrick Mahomes' doctor is going to be there every step of the way just in case he needs a little something-something.
1: Hey, I want to go back to something Billy mentioned because this has been maybe our second great golf debate of this podcast. The term second-shot golf course gets used a lot. So I want Billy, tell me, and I'm going to follow it up with a question. So tell me what second shot golf course means. Like, oh, that's a big second shot course.
2: I think in general, it means that how you drive it doesn't make as big of a difference. It also tends to mean, you know, so you have the other thing where you call it a target golf course, and that's kind of where everybody drives it to the same place, whether you hit a hybrid and I hit a driver, like we, we get to the same place. And there's a little bit of that at Riviera um, on the front nine, not so much on the back nine. But um, so I, I think it's just where your second shot matters more than your tee shot would be my interpretation of that.
1: But then doesn't that mean your tee shot actually matters a lot so that you're in the right position for the proper second shot?
2: Well, I think the point is is that all the second shots are generally going to be okay. Right. You, you don't, you don't, there's not. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that all, all the second shots are, are, are generally going to be able to go towards the green, you know, because of the way the, 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 the course is or, or isn't Um, from, from a, from a tee shot perspective. There, 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 there are courses where, you have to be sharper with irons and there are courses where you have to be sharper with, with, with drivers, you know, and um, you know, you have to be sharp with the putter everywhere. Cause that's how you, you know, ultimately, uh, I mean, while I know the stats say you gain more off the tee than, 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 than with the putting from strokes gain perspective, but you, you still have to make those, you know, couple putts to, to win kind of thing. So you have to be sharp with that. Um, and it's just a matter I think of which one kind of weighs out more, in 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 as far as making your score you lots of times there's um you know greens that have a lot of tiers where you have to be more accurate with your irons like you can't really just net it out to 30 feet um because that 30 footer you know if you, if, if you miss the one tier and you're just and you hit it to kind of the 30 feet safe like it rolls down a slope and ends up 50 feet well now that's not such an easy two putt so it matters more where your second shot goes
1: I'm not sure I'm convinced that that doesn't mean your tee shot is the most important. So you have the perfect iron shot in.
2: I'll rest my case for the viewers. They can tell us, I, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not, you know, I, if, you know what, if I'm completely honest, I don't know what a second shot golf course even means. I'm just making that all that up on the fly. Cause I've, I I've never really understood it. Yeah. Cause
1: it's one of those things that you never hear a first shot golf course. And so, well, but that's what a... I'm
2: saying actually is Riviera is, I'm saying like, you got to drive it well there because if you don't, it, it it's much more, you know, there's a lot of overhanging trees on uh, 11, 12, 13. No, wait. Yeah. 13 is a par three, 14, 15. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of places where you, you really need to hit good tee shots or you're just, you know, not going to, you know, so 12, 13, 15, like those are some of the hardest tee shots on tour to me.
0: Well, we'll watch the broadcast, see how many times they mention this as either a, a first shot or a second shot golf course, if at all they mention it. But there's a lot of good stuff to to look out for with the uh, with the cat being back at Genesis. Always a good tournament to watch. And also this uh, full swing documentary. We'll see uh, between George and I who can who can binge it the fastest. Uh, but with that, I will see you guys this time next week. Thanks for listening to the Living It Up podcast. Follow us on the Twitters at Living It Up Pod. See you there.